Hey there, welcome to the League Life with Brooksy and Shanaz. I'm Shanaz. I'm here with Brooksy. We call this the League Life lockdown sometimes because let's face it, we're still in lockdown for a little bit longer. Brooksy, how are you going? I'm bloody good, Shanaz. I'm really good. I'm better than last week. I'm better than the week before. Wow. I just keep better. It's good. No, we're closer to we're closer to some um resemblance of live sport in Australia with the NRL kicking off in about nine days, Shanaz. That is great news, but it would be fair to say you don't need the NRL to keep busy because I hit the KO application oh. via via my TV slash Fox and I hit the unpacked TV show highlights of the week that was, and this week there was a new voiceover it wasn't no. the voiceover of Aaron Wallace from last week. This week it was Nathan and Brooks. Yeah, made uh, my voiceover debut last week. How Got good! A call up people at Ko, and they—I think they might have been listening to the podcast now. So, I think um, so. And what's who and you weren't answering like normal? Yeah. And, um, I picked up second option and straight onto the starting lineup. What could have been for me, hey? What could have been? That's my life story, basically. Brooksy, I'm, 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 I'm very, very proud of you. It was really cool. If you, if you uh, have KO, if you don't have KO, sign up just for Brooks, and you can hear him talk about all sorts of things that happened during the week. Yeah, sign up, sign up, and cancel for Brooks. That's, uh... <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to see how he went, and he was terrible, so I unsubscribed. So please, but actually, please don't uh, put that down when you do that. Yeah. Say it was um, Paul Kent or something. Oh, uh, we love Kenty. <laughs> uh, thing. No, anyway, um, yeah, so it was fun. It was a good experience in all seriousness, and um, hopefully looking forward to doing a bit more in the future. But, Chaz, you're a bit of an internet guru yourself, mm. uh, technology genius, um, you know, you're all over the Facebook, the Instagram, particularly the Facebook Live situation. Yeah. Um, you're playing some music for your fans out there uh, via the Facebook Lives. Yeah. So from time to time in the past, I've done live streaming uh, just to give updates and, and to maybe play a cover or two. But since uh, the world's been in lockdown, any music fan would know that... Uh, uh, musicians are doing live stream shows now and they're doing it, you know, from the guy from Coldplay to me in my little studio, everyone's doing it. And I've sort of occupied the Thursday night real estate about 9.45 Australian time. So oh, if, you, yeah. if you go on Facebook, <laughs> yeah. If you, <laughs> you, are you, um, you're actually yes. in a battle with the, um, the raunchy movie on SBS, if my memory serves me correctly by their programming schedule. So that might be a tough little spot for you to try and win over. Well, there's no reason why you couldn't watch the raunchy movie and have my music streaming. Yeah, I guess it'd be challenging for the senses, but um, <laughs> I, you know, you, you might. I, I, I like it. I like what you're doing. That's great, mate. Like, it's I've, been really good, really successful. Uh, we've raised yeah. some money to record the next album, which is great. I'm making every show different. And there's going to be another one this Thursday night. If you want to tune in, facebook.com slash Sam Music. And you don't have to be on Facebook as a as a member of Facebook. You can, it's a live public page. Just click on it 
and you might hear or see something that you like. Um, but yeah, thanks for that shout out, Brooksy. I appreciate it. You're not just limited to the music scene, are you, Shnaz? You still are on the airwaves with your Cronulla podcast, the yeah. Shark Country. And you yeah. had one iconic player from the late 80s, early 90s, former Sharks fullback Jonathan Docking, who was one of the pioneers in the headgear era. Yeah, so on, on our latest episode, we got to hang out with uh, Docko for about an hour and a half and... We, f- we focused on the 1988 season, which was when they won the minor premiership, and then they unfortunately didn't go much further than that. But it was a great year for the club, and he's a terrific fellow, very smart guy, uh, beautiful man, and he was one of the first guys to make the headgear famous, I'm going to say. Yeah. Oh, you know, I've, Illawarra, my, my boys had one of the um, iconic headgear players in Brett Rodwell. Yeah. Uh, was Beaver Menzies, Terry Madison at the Bronx. Yep. Uh, yeah, there was a few. Ronnie Gibbs, I Ronnie think, Gibbs. as you mentioned. Show. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, who was your favourite headgear-wearing player of uh, yesteryear? <laughs> Jonathan Docking. <laughs> yeah, you can tell that question wasn't in the rundown. Uh, <laughs> mine was Brett Rodwell. <laughs> now, speaking of your beloved Steelers, Brooksy, I oh, yes. I uh yeah. I was on Twitter last week. I've been trying to stay away from the Twitter, believe it or not, but I was on there last week and in my trending section I saw Rod Wishart and the first thing I thought was, Oh man, that's a bummer, he's no longer with us. Oh Jesus. Well nah, Rod, Rod's still kicking about. Yeah. He's still down in Cheringong. Um oh no, yeah, the trending section does when you see random names pop up, the the worst thought could come to mind yeah. because um, you don't hear f- from them for ages and their name pops up. As we saw with Arthur Summons, a legend who passed away. Very sad, yeah. Saturday night, um, absolute legend of the game. Um, but, yeah, wishy, wishy was trending for all the right reasons, Schnaz. Um, on Tuesday morning, I woke up. And a lot of American sporting teams on the Twitter were posting current and old logos of their teams saying, who's the first person that comes to mind when you see this logo? And I thought I'd give it a go and put the Steelers logo up there. And the responses came in thick and fast throughout Tuesday. It... Rod Wishart climbed the charts like it was a Spice Girl song in the early 90s. And he ended up at, um, I think he ended up in the top 10 um, at some stage. And people were sending through, <laughs> he's trending, which he's trending because everyone, like a good percentage of people, linked Rod Wishart to the old Steelers logo. Yeah. And he was one of the greats. He played Origin, he played for Australia, he had some iconic moments in the scarlet and white. My favourite one was down at Brookie in 1992 when we knocked Manly out and gave Michael O'Connor a bad uh, departure from NRL. But uh, Sorry, from, from his career. NRL wasn't around then. Um, but, yeah, it was, it, it was great to see him trending. And uh, there was Balti, there was Brett Rodwell, as mentioned before, Paul McGregor, John Dorohy. Uh, Darren Fritz got a <laughs> and his honourable mention. Yeah, so, who would be who would be your Steelers player that resonates with the Dizzy Steeler logo? 
Oh, uh, look, I'd probably go Wishart, but I love all those names you were talking about. Um, yeah. I remember my late grandfather who who basically, basically uh, taught me a lot about rugby league. Uh, he was obsessed with um, with Fritz for some reason and the, and the name Fritz, and he loved it. I remember <laughs> that. When I think of Fritz, I think of my grandfather, which is really lovely. But Michael yeah. Bolt as well, I, I think I really oh. do put him in there. But That's I was going to say, Brooksy, Aside yeah. from wishy trending, which is you know a miracle in itself, yeah. the Steelers got a lot of love last week on the Twitter. Yeah, there was a there was a segment in um, Wollongong's Win News. Uh, I think it might have been on the Tuesday or the Wednesday, and it was a it was a throwback to that game against Balmain where Stanley the Steel Avenger, the <laughs> the the mascot at the time, got sent off uh, in a game. The fight on the sideline. I think Sean Timmons was involved, and Brendan O'Mara, the old uh, winger, fullback. Yeah, yeah. And um, they interviewed Sean Timmons and Brett Rodwell and Rod Wishart and John Cross, and it was amazing. It was so good. Like Brett Rodwell was like pretty funny in it. He thought oh. David Golo was in the suit. Wait, did you say the mascot got sent off? Yeah, the mascot was sent off. So he was basically told to leave the playing field and. There's that iconic footage of and photos of him walking around the perimeter of Wynn Stadium. He couldn't go onto the field, obviously. So he's done uh, with his cape and his helmet, the rugby, big S on his forehead. Rugby league. It was great. It was a great moment. Um, yeah, it just it was good to see, and it's great that the Win News team got to uh, bring that back um, from the vault and interview some of the old Steelers players because it was all over the Twitter sphere that day. The what? rugby league Twitter was. Hopefully, uh, the NRL St. George Illawarra Dragons can uh, recognise that they actually are part of the Illawarra team, and maybe in 2020 you might get to wear the shorts or the socks this year. How about that? Can't wait. I love that old throwback. We, I think a couple of weeks ago we did a um, on this day, Matt Cooper scored um, uh, against Penrith. A couple of, I think he scored three tries. He's um, maybe even four. I can't. Oh my god, I should remember this. Mm. I think it was. And um, they were wearing the Steelers throwback jersey in that game, and it looks so good. It's just such a clean, tight-looking well, piece of paraphernalia. <laughs> I, I, I hate to break the news to you, Brooksy, but this is not Steeler cast. This is yes. the League Life. Give our listeners a very quick rundown of what we're going to be talking about today before we go to a break. Okay, we're going to go through round three, some of the games that we like now that the first few rounds have been determined. We're going to talk about Cody Walker. We'll talk about the refs. Your mate, Shaz. Love the refs. Uh, We're going to talk about potentially NRL being watched overseas. Stadiums. We do love a stadium chat. About K-League and Bundesliga, some of the sports that are now back in the world. And our takes from the weekend that was in both leagues. We'll also talk about the last dance. Yep. You know, it was it came to an end last night. We'll Brilliant. Do a review and, and our takes from the whole documentary. And we'll have a look at what's coming up in the week of sport. On the box, on the TV, on the Netflix. Okay. Maybe there is life after the last dance, Naz. Maybe there is. All right, stay tuned. We'll be back shortly with the show. That was spoken like a true voiceover man. <laughs> <laughs> Langer, Walters, 
Rubbing kick. Wishart. Clean. Comfortable. Now he's away. Wishart. He's over the 40 metre line. Martin Lang is after him. Metzing runs him down. What about Martin Lang? How did Martin Lang stay with Rob Wishart? Rob Wishart. Like he's, he's going to score here. He's got a front row at chasing him. Brooksy, we're a mere nine days away from the NRL starting. It's a Volandis miracle, and <laughs> we have round three and four. I'm, yep. not, I'm not sure why we don't have the rest of the rounds, but that's for another another podcast, perhaps. Let's focus on the positive, as you would say. Round three, what looks good to you, my friend? Well, it sounds like the Canadian boffins are drip-feeding us the schedule, Shan. So Those wacky I, Canadian I, I, boffins. I'm all for, you know, finding out on the fly. Like, Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Why don't we do it different? Just yeah. release two weeks. Yeah. And mix it up. There's going to be an asterisk on this premiership anyway. Oh. But, hey. But That's a bit negative, three, Brooks. There's three big games that, we can, that, we'll, um, that we're going to be salivating about, apart from our Dragon-Sharks game, Schnaz. Yeah. we got the Warriors. Who do you have? Uh, the, the Benji Marshalls. The West Tigers. Oh, that's a good one because that's that was remember eight v nine last year. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the In round twenty six. Yes, I remember. Yes, yes. Yeah, the last round. Round twenty five, uh, I should say. It was great. Yeah. The Farah. Remember the Farah's not playing. Oh, he's playing. What a wanker! The buzz around. I was around the hill. Like I was. I think we did a we did a chat about this, and I was with Blocker and Benny, and everyone's <laughs> like. Farrah, Playing, Farrah's playing. Everyone's like, oh, Robbie, Robbie. And Blocker and Benny are like, oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it was great. It was great theatre. Like art at its best. But um, that'll be good. That'll be good. So we, we, we have, uh, to start the, the season again, so to speak, we have Eels and Broncos. Yeah, so another finals sort of round one flavour. Remember Ooh. the Eels absolutely toweling up Ooh. the Broncos. Week one of the finals oh at Banquet. Oh my god! That's a, that's a pretty good game to start off. Uh, yeah. Eels looking, Broncos looking good. Yep. Um, yeah, I think I think that's going to be going to be a nice little way to start. Hopefully, it's a bit better than the first game of the season, the Eels Bulldogs game that had <laughs> pretty much in bed by nine twenty five on that. Yeah, that, that'll be. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing um, both the, both those teams in action. I, I really didn't have much. Um, I didn't really think too much of the Broncos team before the start of the season, but the first two rounds have looked good. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think I think this is this is going to be, and obviously with the young guys that they've got that have uh, performed well, it should be a good one. And then we have everyone's favourite clash. I'm saying that a little bit sarcastically. We have uh, Roosters Rabbitohs on the Friday night. Yeah, we've got Roosters Rabbits Friday. Always a good one. They played three times last year. Obviously, the Roosters knocked out the Rabbitohs in the finals uh, in an impressive performance. I think that was the Joseph Manu game, wasn't it, Shaz? Where he was just ripping up down the right side uh, okay. for the Roosters. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it was a no-brainer putting that in round three. We sort of knew that was coming, didn't we? We've got Latrell playing his old team. Playing his old club. We've got a few few other tasty matchups. Uh, yeah, so... The Karate Kid might even play. Oh, the Karate Kid. We'll, we'll, we'll get, get to, to that. that. Yeah, yeah. And then but I also, think... Yeah, go ahead. I yeah. think my favourite one of round three is Storm Raiders. 
Yeah, that's very juicy given what happened last year. And uh, I'm yeah. interest, interested to see how the old six again rule comes into play in that game. Oh, there's, there's definitely going to be some Raiders fans just like shivering every time someone <laughs> says six again and the play. Yeah, it's uh, it will it's be a, it will be a good game though. Two of the competition heavyweights for sure. Yeah, and yeah, looking forward to seeing the Raiders this year. I think uh, we both have them pretty high on our list for twenty twenty. The old uh, the old green machine, but yeah, it's it's going to be a great start. Apart from our teams, that's a pretty good slab of games to start. Yeah. And you know, we touched on Roosters Rabbitohs and. Your karate kid that you wanted to talk about, Cody Walker, has been in the news. Cody uh, Danielson Walker. Yeah. Are you, don't, you're, not, you're meant to sweep the leg, aren't you, Schnaz? Not kick the Well, no, 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 no. Daniel wouldn't sweep the leg. Uh, Johnny, the bad guy, would sweep the leg. So I guess if, John- if, we're, if we're calling, it depends what side of the field you're on with Cody because is he Johnny or is he Daniel? Uh, I, think he's, I think he's Daniel. He's the main character here. No, but Daniel's Daniel's a good guy. Johnny's a bad guy. Yeah, I said Daniel. He's a good guy. So Cody's a good guy. I think he well, he's a good guy in this regard, but <laughs> he karate kicks he, some guy in the stomach. <laughs> he could be Johnny. Yeah, exactly. But look, <laughs> let's digress from the karate kid. Sure. And get the the news at hand. So so I, I don't know too much about it, but you you love your karate NRL side stories. Yeah. Tell us about what's happened. So I believe he's been extorted money video to be released, which so has been released. The reason this video came to light is because, yes, he was being extorted. Is that the right word? He was being extorted. And he went to the police on the uh, advice of the club, of the, of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Yeah, and from there, I believe a network has bought the <laughs> the rights to it somehow, <laughs> which I think has got a lot of people offside. So, if you look at your your reaction from the fans, people are like, "Oh, poor Cody," you know, he's being extorted, and then the media's run with the story. But then we got to see the video, and the video is basically these two guys having a street fight. Pretty gentle one, but a street fight with a, re- a referee in a Canberra Raiders jumper. <laughs> I kid you not. So it's a street fight. It's, so he's more Ryu or Ken rather than Danielson. <laughs> at that point, no. yes. I think in all seriousness, they were at a... It was, it was between family friends and, and they were at a funeral earlier that day. So everyone was, you know, grieving. I think they were drunk, to be honest. But basically from out of nowhere... Cody Walker comes flying in with a <laughs> with a karate kick, and that's got him into some hot water. Now, the fans are going pretty easy on Cody, but I think that Cody has a lot to answer for here. And I I, I accept he's, he's made a really heartfelt apology. It's not his go. I get yeah. all that sort of thing. He's a good ambassador for Souths and for Indigenous uh, players and people and kids, but he's clearly in the wrong here. He shouldn't be in this position, and... He has said he'll cop any fine or suspension, and I think that's fair enough. So, not the yeah. most serious of issues, but I I do not feel one bit of sorrow for Cody in this instance, even with the extortion stuff thrown in. It's like, you should not be in this position, my man. 
Yeah, I think that's the key, isn't it? Like when he's got really everyone else in that situation's got nothing to lose. He's got everything to lose. You know, yeah. he's the rugby league player, professional rugby league player. Um, you know, he's in he's in Origin contention. He had a cracking season last year, and to have this sort of stuff pop up just before we resume, it's it's bad yeah. for him. Yeah, um, bad for the NRL. It looks bad. Um, and yeah, he, I, I think violence is something that you shouldn't really be uh, resorting to as a as a person, like in in general, but as a sports person, because there's people with phones. We've seen it all before. We've seen Cleary TikTok in a way. The <laughs> Ado Car and M- Mitchell posting stuff on their trip. Like, just keep yeah. your phone. Like, there's phones everywhere. Keep the phones away. You know, that's that's the thing. You can't be doing that sort of stuff. Um, being a professional sports star with sponsors and people that are relying on your image and your brand and stuff, and you are too as well. Yeah, and I I think Brooksy, there's nothing to gain from it. Having seen the vision. Uh, which is out there, it wasn't necessarily a life or death situation. His, his, I think it was his cousin, I'm not sure, someone close to him was in the fight. And uh, he was a willing participant, for starters. And Cody just comes out of nowhere. And I, I sort of, we were speaking today in our, in our pre-show production rundown, and I, I equated it to you being in a fight and I'm around. If, if I don't want you in that fight, I'm going to pull you away. I'm going to pull the other guy away. I'm probably not going to come in with a flying karate kick, to be honest. And I'm not in his shoes. I wasn't there, but I just sort of don't feel much uh, sorrow for the the fellow in this instance. And I have to say, one of my favorite NRL players to watch. Brilliant to watch. Hopefully that's it for him. Hopefully he gets on with it and we don't hear any more. I'm not here to bag the guy. I just thought it was kind of funny that you know, in this in this day and age of everyone on social media hating every media organization out there, which is fine, whatever, the player has to take some responsibility. Like, I'm sorry, he just does. But this is not the Cody Walker podcast. We saw a headline today, Brooksy. Tell me about it from Hollywood, Bill Harrigan. Yeah, so in the Herald, uh, it was it was published last night, but this morning, woke up, saw it. He's warned the NRL's whistleblowers against taking strike action, warning fans will likely turn against them if they threaten the May 28 restart date. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, Schnaz. Fans already dislike referees. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing their approval ratings at about 4%, um, and this is going to push it down to the high threes. I, I just, yeah, I, I think this is just a bit of a funny headline because it's already there. I Look, I think if they don't turn up, their approval rating will go through the roof because there won't be complaints. This six again thing is going to really hinder with their little approval rating. Don't, I'll, I'll tell you that much. I think it's going to be absolute chaos in round three. But yeah, I thought look, it was... I, I, can't, a, I can't talk right now. I'm just going to take down my Ashley Klein poster, okay? <laughs> the old Uber driver. Actually, did you say he was in um, What's the Buzz the other way? I did, yeah. Down at the, down at the RMS? I think you're spot on, Brooksy. I think that um, the people don't care about the refs. The people don't want to care about the refs. They don't. They shouldn't feel the need to care about the refs. The yeah. refs are there to do a job, but they do a job. Some of them do it better than others. Sometimes it affects the game. Sometimes it doesn't. When I was a, a wee thing back in the 1950s, Brooks, um, 
we didn't know who the refs were. We didn't know their names. We didn't know their living situations. You know, we just didn't know about the refs. So how they are household names now, I'll never know. And they're just there to do a job. And I think Bill Harrigan is <laughs> probably looking for another headline or something because, come on, man. Welcome back to the media spotlight, Bill. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I, in all honesty, I, yeah. I think it's going to be inevitable with the the way they handled the NRL and the commission handled the reduction from two to one mid-season. Uh, you're going into a season under the proviso that you're going to have two refs officiate every game and for them to change it up i think when you've got a union uh involved as well they're going to be saying well this is something that's totally changing the game as such we were under the proviso that it was going to be two operating each game Mm. we're going to we're going to put in um some sort of complaint into the commission because it's it's totally changing our our work practice like it's halving the amount of um, refs that can be used, obviously, going from two to one throughout each round, throughout the season. But, yeah, it, they're re, they're, um, some of the refs are going to touch judge um, roles. So, yeah, I, I in terms of the workplace, I think they've definitely got a right to go to at least a Fair Work Commission and, and put their point across. I don't think they're probably going to threaten the game from um, from starting. Mm. But the decision was only made, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Shnaz. So mm. the NFL can't expect to chop the referee situation in half with, let's say, four weeks to go until the season resumes and then to go, well, oh, they're, they're the ones that are stopping the start. Your actions in the first place in, in condensing the referee situation in such a small amount of time is it because they need the right to be able to go to the commission and, and, and say their piece. And yeah. if haven't done it in a legal way, then they have all they have the right to be able to uh, push back on it. So what Bill's saying, I don't agree with because you know at the end of the day, the NRL could have done this at the start of the season or the end of last year, and it would have given a couple of months for the referees union to to discuss this with the NRL and to discuss it with the Fair Work Commission. But this happening so quickly, you know it. it it's not the referee's fault. They're the ones that have been put in the spotlight and yeah. they have to then go about what they're entitled to do. Yeah, it's an interesting situation. The NRL are very much responsible, I agree with you. Um, Brooksy, you know I've been a long-term advocate for no refs in the game. Yeah, call your own, call your own penalties. Call I like your own it. penalties. I, I, I'm being honest here. At one point when there were so many errors and, and just – not keeping the tan, you know. I'm a big, big. I want to. I want that ten meters. I'm sitting up in my seat. I can see how far apart these teams are and are not. No refs. <laughs> you want to save money? There you go. I've saved money. No refs. Look at you go. Definitely, uh, we'll be in the Fair Work Commission for that one. But <laughs> what I like, you know, the, you've played sports over the years, years and stuff. And yeah. um, obviously, you know, when you're down the park, when you when you're on the blacktop, you don't have refs at your disposal. Have you have you had any funny moments with friends at all, like you know, cheating or? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You've you know that that, that right. pass was forward, not forward. You drop the ball at the line. Yeah, yeah there's always yeah. there's always one that makes it better. Footy. There's always oh. a guy going, "Yeah, got ya." Yeah, touch footy. Yeah, absolutely. 
Man, that wasn't a touch. Yeah. And well, I remember, you know, playing basketball, you'd call fouls and it's just like, yeah, that was a foul. You go, generally, it was like a slap. You'd hear skin on skin slapping and you'd, you'd go, foul, yep. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was pretty good. Like, we, there was never any biffs or anything. It was good. But I remember when I was 14, Shnaz, I was playing mm-hmm. tennis. Gave up the cricket for a year, and mum was a good tennis player. Still right. is. Right. Lisa, shout out. There you go. Yep. And um, I, I was sort of like, oh, I should should go in Lisa's footsteps and try a tennis career. And I was I was playing down at North Curly Tennis Courts with a couple of friends, and um, you know, you'd play on a Saturday morning, and it'd be singles and du- and a doubles match between two of the um, two of your team. And I had this guy. I'll never forget it. He was calling every shot out that looked in from my side of the court. And he, he raced out to an early lead, obviously, because all, all, my, all my cracking forehands were out, supposedly. So, and this is, this is the I, I rarely cheat in sport, if, sure. if at all. Sure. And I, I like competition. I like going at it, but I don't, I, yeah, that's, it's not for me. But I resorted to it. This game, Schnapp. I was calling his forehands out. And he was like, how was it? It was the, I ended up getting the win. I think it was 7 5. You only play one set back in the day. Yeah. It was so frosty at the net after the game. I was 14. I think he was about 16. Ooh. Taller. He's, um, he goes by the name of, um, Leighton. So, Leighton, if you're out there, um, sorry about the loss, buddy. Did you, uh, did, did you shake hands with Leighton afterwards? I went, come on, and then um, and walked off. <laughs> yeah, we shook hands because it was, you know, the etiquette of tennis. You got, you got to dress well, shake well, um, and yeah, it was, it was, but it was frosty at the net. It was just like it was like we we looked away when we shook hands and, and walked off, and I went straight to the the, um, the room and went, yep, seven five Brooks, yeah, beautiful, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was one of the funniest moments, but yeah. It, um, it, it just when you were saying the no ref thing, I had to had to mm. tell that story. I oh. wish there was vision of that, Brooks. That would have been a lot of fun to watch, even now. Yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, speaking of now, we have rugby league starting. We mm. have some stadiums named. Is that correct? Yeah. So on on the show, I think it was Saturday. Buzz came on and said that there was going to be three stadiums utilised in round three being uh, Bank West, Central Coast Stadium, and Campbelltown Stadium. Right. And it was because, you know, we were to- sort of working out where we're going to play these games, if it's a home, like, are they, uh, teams going to have home, technically home games if they're playing. We saw in round two that there was, what well, there was a um, Manly Roosters game at Leichhardt. So yeah. there was sort of the resemblance of teams not playing home games without the crowds. But yeah, and they they were sort. Of, I remember Buzz and, and Kenty were saying, "Oh, we should be playing venues, um, bigger venues, so that when people are watching overseas, it shows them that we're playing in big professional venues, not ones with hills and 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 manual scoreboards and stuff." Yeah, is is that seriously where we're at? Like we're we're actually um, we're we're talking about using stadiums that fans can't sit in? They want to do the reverse 
of the idea originally earlier in the year where they wanted to play in boutique stadiums to make it look yeah. good with the crowd, smaller crowds, and now there's no yeah. crowds. They want to do the yeah. opposite effect. I love it because you know how it's like that, oh, it's so shit watching a game at ANZ because you see all the empty seats and you fast forward two months and go, we need to show people those empty seats. That's what's going to bring people back to rugby league and introduce people to rugby league. More empty seats, the better. (laughs) It's just so funny. It's so good. I understand the theory. I understand that to a new audience, you want to look professional. Yeah. I personally would not think that is the focus or priority worrying about the overseas audience. I would imagine that Billy Bob in Iowa doesn't really mind watching a game from Leichhardt or a game from ANZ or Bankwest or whatever stadium they want to use. Like, that's the thing. Like, I think if anything, like a a Leichhardt or old school stadium is going to attract more attention. Yeah. So, like, check out this. Like, how old school is this? Because we're going to be seeing all empty stadiums throughout the world, Schnaz. We've already seen it in Germany and Korea, like these nice stadiums. But, I like, in in all honesty, I'm not going, you know what? I'm going to go watch the Bundesliga week to week because I just love what they're doing in Hamburg with their stadium. Think about, you know, like, FA Cup round three, round four, the games you want to watch are Liverpool playing at Oxford United. Yeah. You're playing in these little, small, awesome suburban grounds. That's romantic. That's beautiful. That's old school. There is so much more character at a Leichhardt, dare I say that you're stinking Cogra, wherever... Our Cogra? What are you yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, we're, all, we're all about the Cogra. Love Cogra. Uh, then yeah. ANZ Stadium. I mean, Bank West looks cool, but I, I do have a bit of an issue with Campbelltown, though. I mean, out of all the boutique stadiums and beautiful little grounds, suburban grounds, yeah, don't know about Campbelltown. As you mentioned, the unfinished grandstand roof. Yeah, Campbelltown does look unfinished. Now. It's like you can see it sort of like, a little section in the middle of the old hill. And I think the Magpies were sort of looking at building a bigger stand back in the day. But obviously, things didn't work out for the Maggies and they didn't go through with those stadium plans. But there's been some interesting stadium plans done in the leagues that are underway now. And one of them, one of the leagues, is the K-League in Korea, the football team, uh, the football association. Yeah. One of the clubs, FC Seoul, started putting mannequins in the in the crowd to give, you know, a bit of realism to their game on Sunday. But unfortunately, the photos that went online with those mannequins, a few people recognised one of the mannequins as being a famous sex doll in Korea that is built with the similar proportions as to one of their live streaming stars over there, BJ Charo. BJ Charo? Yeah. Th- and when, 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 you say, when you say live stream, you're, you're not talking about like yeah. how I live stream every Thursday night. You're talking about a different live stream? Uh, definitely different live streaming. Um, okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's more what would be on, uh, or not SBS, but um, <laughs> more along the lines of uh, the internet um, 
some sites that uh, we don't ever frequent. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so there was a mix-up, supposedly, that a sex doll got in. It was like, the you know, mannequin, 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 sex, sex doll. doll. Hey, wait a second, that mannequin, I've seen that down at David Jones. No, it was... <laughs> it's, so it looks like a few people have slipped in the sex doll for a bit of a laugh. But the team's denying that that was the case. It was a bit of a mix-up. And I I think I'm all for it. What do you think, Schnaz? Uh, sex dolls in the crowd. Oh, I, reckon, can, I could go either way. Banquest. Oh, it could male or female sex dolls. I'd, if, if you, um, do you reckon it would bring viewers... To the NRL from outside the world. See, we're talking about the K League. I think it would. You're I talking think... about subscribing. I think it would. So, look, I don't think it's an issue of playing in bigger stadiums. Oh. I think it's got to getting getting dolls, famous dolls, in the grandstands. I'm not thinking of subscribing while we've been talking. I've subscribed to the K League. You're you're on the cat seat. Look, this is this is it, mate. This is this is the future of crowdless sport. Mannequins in the crowd. Okay, maybe I like it. flipping interesting one just to spice things up. But yeah, uh, crazy Koreans, the, man. Have you seen the photo, Schnaz? Like, no, I haven't. Like the 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 one the mannequin at fault here. The mannequin in focus. I the nipples are ridiculous. Like it, it's like you can see them from like twenty meters away from the photo. I'm like, how is this a slip up? Like seriously, this has been planted. It's a plant job. It's done. It's like they're denying it, but yeah. It's have definitely- we have we heard about the the sales that week for BJ Churro? Uh yeah, up thirty two percent. There you uh, go. So, yeah, it's working well. I love like the the sports um website in Seoul, Koreaboo that um, reported it is like. With so many football fans overseas now following K-League matches, there are concerns this will bring international disgrace. I, for one, am not disgraced. I, I think, you know, you've got, you've, they've made a decision and they've got to stick to it and we will all love it. It's good. I can't wait for FC Seoul's next game. They might get a bigger, bigger crowd. <laughs> but there might be some more dolls in the crowd. Oh, so and you and and Schnaz, we've got other leagues opening up, like the NRL, and um, you know, there's talk about the American sports getting back to training. We just watched the NFL draft last mm. few weeks. Mm. That's going to be an interesting one, right? The NFL, like the home crowd, yeah. is such a benefit to the game, to the to the home team, home it, field advantage, massive. It would have to be one of those sports where the teams are most affected by the crowd, both for and against. And uh, teams in, in domes, for example, uh, can get some amazing sound effects in there with both the crowd and the music and everything else. It puts the uh, opposing team off with their plays. Sometimes you just can't hear the plays between each other. Your beloved Seattle Seahawks, very well known for the, the, the 12th, the 12th member of the team is the big crowd. You've been there. It's crazy. And yeah. uh, I, I think it's going to affect things a lot. I've got uh, the Minnesota Vikings going to the Super Bowl, Kirk Cousins, who normally gets very, very uh, scared by any sort of noise. There's not going to be any noise. So uh, I 
think it's going to advantage some teams, disadvantage some others. It'll bring some back down to earth, including Seattle and New Orleans. Oh, uh, well, that's what I think. Because, th- you know, the Vikings can't win in Seattle. Well, maybe this year they can. So there is talk that the TV companies are going to incorporate their own sound effects, which would be interesting. The NFL have, have not ruled out using sound effects for the players. So yep. we'll, we'll see what's going to happen. But there'll be no crowd. So that's that's one bonus for the, for those teams that don't like, you know, being around the big noises. So it's, it's interesting, man. Uh, all the leagues are going to start up at some point. So. You know what's going to be great? Uh, ESPN have um, said they're not going with Joe and Booger next year. Thank next God. Season. They can get Booger back on that uh, chair that goes up and down the sideline because he won't be blocking anyone this year. <laughs> I, I don't know if the world needs Booger. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but, I mean, come on. What, the, who, you know, who are they going but, with? I don't know. I, oh, I don't, they made a massive pitch to Tony Romer. Yeah, right. But CBS locked him down. So, I don't know. I, I haven't heard anything about who they're going to go with yet. I, I really like Mike Tirico. Yeah. I love, love Romo. Romo's um, the best. Yeah, it's a tough one. I Well, I, I was with Kenny Albert when I did that um, with that tour with Fox. But he'll have to – I think he's under contract for some time with Fox. So, but yeah, they're going to – Try and Witten's back. Witten can't come back in. Uh, yeah, they've, they've had a bit of a rough time, haven't they? The last yeah. few years, trying to pick commentators. Uh, ESPN. We'll watch this space, Brooksy. To see, I can't wait for a bit of a bit of neutralising of the league. Yeah, it's, no yeah, it's going to be huge, man. It's going to be huge I, how, it, how they do it. Oh, it'd be interesting to see the collective home record like the percentage win percentage of home teams during this time like overall oh. overall professional sports i mean yeah. i mean if because the thing is that all the teams train with that silly noise on the speakers like that's how they get used yeah. to the noise so so when i joke about kirk cousins not liking noise he'll be able to handle the sound effects yeah but throw in the actual crowd and he freaks out but there's no crowd yeah. so and on the opposite side for a team like my Vikings, they have got a great home uh, home crowd advantage, especially defensively, but that's out the window now. So they've got a good defense without the crowd going nuts. So there are pros and cons for everyone. It's going to be, I think it'll just bring everyone back into line, man. I really do. It's going to be good. Yeah. I'll see how it goes. All right. Well, let's have a break. Sure. Free group. And K- the K-League. Yeah. Yeah. Download the K-League apps, everyone. Um, And we'll come back after the break with The Last Dance. So if you haven't watched it yet, something to keep up your sleeve sleeve for later in the week. But if you have watched it, we're going to go through it. We're going to talk about what we loved about it. There wasn't much that we didn't. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we'll go through that and wrap up the show.
Welcome back to the League Life Lockdown. And we are now talking The Last Dance, episodes 9 and 10. We're on last night, as uh, uh, we're live last night on the Netflix, the final two episodes of the documentary, Schnaz. With someone that didn't follow the Bulls too tightly live uh, back in the 90s, what did you make of the final two installments of the documentary? As per the other uh, three or four weeks, I absolutely loved it. I learned a lot. I learned that they are one of the great championship teams in history, if not the greatest of all sports. I don't say that lightly. I learned that the team had one of the great athletes of all time in Michael Jordan, as well as some really, really talented fellows who would be considered some of the best of all time in that sport. And I think that uh, along with Phil Jackson, the coach, it's just a history-making time from where they came from. And then, of course, which we'll get into at some point, and you'll see when you watch it, if you haven't watched it, where it ends up and how they end that year and what happens the following year to the Bulls. It's just nutso. It's ridiculous. So um, I learned a lot, and I'm glad I watched it, and I definitely have a renewed interest in the NBA. And, uh, And Jordan is just a fascinating character. But started off with the Eastern Conference Finals, with the Pacers series, Reggie Miller, Rick Smith, the Davis, not brothers, but last name brothers, Antonio and Dale. We had Mark Jackson, Jalen Rose. Yeah, arguably the best team the Bulls had come up against in that in that period, particular, definitely in that season, um, in terms of star power, and they took it took it to the Bulls in seven games. We saw that epic shot from Reggie in Indiana yeah. where he put MJ. It was great. Like, ah. That was just competitiveness. And I think you could tell that MJ really saw and respected Reggie. I think with a lot of his other opponents, he sort of talked down to a lot of them. But Reggie's someone that probably wasn't athletically gifted in terms of, you know, he's a pretty scrawny NBA player, very thin but God, he moved off the ball. Like I, I was watching it with a friend and I was telling him as, you know, he's pretty much the Ray Allen of that era where, you know, he just finds his spots on the court and he will run you ragged throughout a game. And MJ was pretty much on him um, for that series. And you could tell like as we as we learn of the finals, like just a, just a massive physical physical toll for MJ on that series going with Reggie for seven games and it was it was great to see a bit of insight into that as we know the Bulls played the Jazz in the last in their last two final series so that was the sort of common theme with both of the last episodes we saw the um the flu game the food poisoning game Schnaz what about that I mean it's just why did he eat the pizza seriously if five, if if five guys, so he, so they're in, they're in, they're in Utah, right? Yeah. And and there's and Jordan's got the munchies at midnight or whatever. There's it was, one. It wasn't, was it? He said it was like ten thirty. Yeah. There's one. There's one place open in the entire place, and it's a pizza joint, and they get yeah. it delivered, and because everyone knows where they're staying, and everyone know, apparently they knew it was for Michael Jordan somehow. I don't know. Yeah. And five guys delivered the pizza to the hotel room. 
and yeah. straight away his uh, was it his physician, his dietitian? Who was who's that guy? Personal assistant and uh, personal trainer there. Yeah, so they they automatically went. You can't touch this. There's something weird going on. And MJ was like, yeah. "No, nah, I'm going to eat." And he so he ate the whole pizza. And oh, then dude. within a few hours, he was crouched yeah. over and he had a lot of issues. And yeah, I had a, a genuine question for you, Brooksy. What would yeah. they have done to the pizza? Well, what do you? Do? I I don't know. Like, like, like I'm, I'm being honest. Like I don't like. What do you do? To not kill someone, obviously, but yeah, what I I don't know. I was thinking about it too. I don't. It must be like some chef slash cook way of putting too much of something in, and it makes you. Well, there was um, a iconic movie around the mid nineties, Dumb and Dumber, where <laughs> Lloyd Christmas puts turbo laxative in Harry Dunn's cup of tea to right. celebrate Harry going on the date with Mary. So maybe there was a bit of um, turbo lax poured into the tomato oh, yeah. sauce. So basically, tomato. basically, Jordan was out of action, and and uh, he he somehow made it to the arena the next night. And he was on a, a drip, I think, or something. And then, and then he, his first yeah. half wasn't great, but then he just clicked. And um, the vision is fantastic. Up. And how many points did he end up with? Just a cheeky 40, 40, 44 and thirty-eight minutes. Oh, far out! That's amazing. What if what? So, like, imagine what you've accomplished, like within twenty-four hours of food poisoning. Yeah, not much. I know. I would have visited the toilet forty-four times in about thirty-eight minutes, but that's that's as good as it gets for the normal human. Uh, that was an incredible, incredible moment in uh, NBA history. Flu game, not so much now. I, I, yeah. Obviously, he's he's clarified that situation up. So Schnaz, and there was an awesome profile that we saw, and we went back in time. We know how some people don't like the shifting of time, but it gave perfect reference as to what happened at the end of that fifth title, and it focused in on Steve Kerr, one of MJ's teammates, infamous team, or oh, not infamous, but famous teammates that's gone on to be a successful coach in the NBA with the Golden State Warriors, and talked about his story. Amazing. Did you know Steve Kerr, his, his past, him growing up, no. his father situation? No, no it, it moved me to tears. I, I don't yeah. say that lightly. Uh, yeah. Really tragic story. You could see the way it was going pretty quickly, the way they told the story. Yeah. But yeah, his dad was a, a professor and a, and, a, and, a, and a, what would you say, a college... Yeah, he was the head of the head of the university in Beirut, the American University in Beirut. Yeah, but he, he'd worked his way up to that level throughout yeah. his time, and then it was a good opportunity for him to go do that. And it was a very dangerous position in a very dangerous part of the world at the time. And yeah, yeah unfortunately, he was he was uh, killed in cold cold blooded murder. And uh, and Steve was back in college. Yeah, and he got the call in the middle of the night. And uh, how old would he have been? Like eighteen or something. 1819, yeah, yeah, I think it was freshman year. And they, they talk about uh, how he, you know, they talk about the whole experience, but then he talks about how he would have felt during the national anthems of the NBA games. It really pulled at the heartstrings, really beautiful. And, and then do you want to take up the story about how he nails a very important shot? Yes. Yeah, so the, there was a great sort of synergy of John Paxson's last year and Steve Kerr. Um, at the Bulls and him learning from Paxson, who was obviously massive in there, winning shot 
in the first three-peat against the Suns and sort of knowing your role around MJ and Scotty. And, and you could tell Steve, like, he really tapped into Pax and, like, wanted to know what he needed to do to be that role player to support the Stars. And, you know, in Game 7, I think it was the, um, the Indiana series, he, did, he, he played his part. And then you saw in the Utah series making that massive shot. And it's just, it, it's just awesome that these guys had their moments like Paxson, like Kerr, yeah. like Scotty Pippen. You know, it just, it, it, what, Jordan was clearly the leader of the, of the team on and off the court. But it was great to see Steve Kerr get recognised. And I just loved how, you know, they gave reference to, like, how, where Steve had come from and all the trials and tribulations of becoming a pro. He doesn't look like a basketballer. Like, no, no. He looks like an accountant. He, I think be, because of his red hair, I, I was straight, straight up all reddish hair. I was thinking of... Um, I, I sent you a text. I was like, I love these underdogs. It's, I just love these yeah. characters in life. Yeah. And it reminded me, uh, you know, for all of our NRL fans, it reminded me of my favourite... Uh, Oh, kind of late teens for me player from the Lang era, and that was Nick Graham from the Sharks, lock forward, who was a local junior, and he fought his way in there. He, he started out young, and he wasn't particularly good or big, but he just worked at it and worked at it, and he became you know a veteran for the Sharks until Chris Anderson literally killed his career. But uh, I, I just love those underdogs, Brooksy. I loved, I loved yeah. his story. I love the fact that he overcame so much adversity with his dad, and uh, and just and then Jordan recognizing it, Jordan saying so, like you know, yeah. such a key figure. How good was his, how good was his speech at the at the yeah. um, at the end? Just Amazing, going, you know, Mike saying, "I can't take the shot. I'm not ready to take the shot. No, <laughs> I'll save him again." But yeah, it was. He's got a great personality, and you see that as the coach of the Warriors, like, and yeah. he stands. So, like, you see him on Twitter, like, he, he's very, he, he doesn't tweet that often, but when he does, he's very succinct with it um, about human rights, about the US. Oh, yeah. Um, like, he's, 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 he's quite vocal with that stuff, and you don't see many coaches doing that in the NBA, but he, he definitely, from his past and where, where he's come from, who he is as a man, like he's such a great leader and um, such a great representative of um, the NBA, someone who's, whose career has stemmed multiple decades. So Kerr was traded to the Spurs after the last dance, Shnaz. He won a championship with the Spurs. So he really? won four Yeah. Wow. So he won four straight as a player with wow. the Bulls and the Spurs. He, won, he went on to win another one with the Spurs, but then he won three with the Warriors. So he's getting up there with Phil in terms of rings. Yeah, right. Um, He'll, he'll definitely be down in NBA folklore. And then we saw a bit of, um, the obviously, the, the final stages of the 97-98 season yeah. with um, the Bulls and the Jazz, their second finals. Um, and we saw, you know, the start of it, Jordan being pretty, you know, pretty loose, wasn't he? He had a few beers before warm-ups. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, came in, you know, he was pretty relaxed, but... That see, that series was just as just as rough as the um, Indiana one the previous year, and we saw. I thought that game three um, 
montage, that part of it was amazing where they absolutely destroyed Nizar and Chicago when they went back. Yeah. Had the Fat Boy track gone. It was great. Yeah. And then your mate, Dennis Rodman. Yeah, so I wanted to talk to you about this, Brooksy. Uh, Yeah. I I definitely remembered what we're going to talk about, but I didn't realize the impact that it played. So, So after that win, is that right? After the big win... Rodman overnight goes to some other town in America. It's not too, yeah, it was not too far from Chicago. Right. He hooks up with Hollywood Hulk Hogan and yeah. the WCW crew. And he appears on, I'm guessing it was Monday Nitro, their show. And I remember it from the time, but, and then it, it culminates actually him in, have, he had, he ends up having a, uh, like, what's the word? A no-holds-barred match against the late, great Randy Macho Man Savage, my favorite wrestler of all time. Yeah. But but in this incident we're talking about, he's just ducked out, away from the <laughs> team, and then he appears on national TV with a bunch of wrestlers. It just shows you how, <laughs> how crazy he is. Just, and how good he actually made a profit um, doing that, Schnaz. He got fined, I think, 25K, but I think he made 150 <laughs> Right, so cleared 125k for the bout. So that's a businessman, if anything. And then the so, next, the next game, he absolutely dominates, right? I grabbed a, get, grabbed a cheeky 15 boards, yeah. made some big. Sh- uh, yeah, he, you know, they they um, took a three-one series lead. Uh, Utah came back in game five. Carl Malone, very impressive in that game. I think he got high 30s in that game. Mm. And then. The infamous, oh, the the infamous game six, uh, in Utah. You know that last forty five odd seconds. Um, MJ Bucket talks about the steal, talks about the the last shot. You know he he was and Brian Russell was moving away from MJ. This whole push off BS. Yeah, yeah. it was fine. There was nothing in it. Now, you, you see it, it like James Harden does it every time. What and about there's nothing with it? What about and, the story about and, Scotty Pippen? Yeah, his back. It was amazing. Yeah, like you just see him moving around like he couldn't. So every, just, he was like five minutes on, then five minutes off to get massage yeah. and needles or whatever. Then they put him back on for five minutes. You know what it reminded me of, Brooks? He was yeah. my favorite player, uh, Cooper Cronk in. Ah, was it? Oh, the year before last, the grand final, and yeah. he, he basically played a decoy role, and that's what Scotty Pippen did. He came on and just played decoy. He was still getting deflections and rebounds and buckets. It was, it was a, it, you know, MJ dropping forty five in his last game with the Bulls was impressive, but Scotty, that was that was one of his best moments. And you know, we saw a few years ago, yes, where he into the game. Yes, so it was a great redemption for him because he he did cause some controversy. He didn't he yeah. used to come back on and which we talked about I think last week or week before. But in this, yeah. he was just he was out there and he p- played through pain. And I think ultimately that's what I'll take away about Scotty Pippen is that yeah. yeah he was a good guy and he made a mistake here or there, but uh, he showed he was a team player in that moment. And he gave credit to Jerry Krause at the end of the documentary, like for, for yeah yeah that together. was. Interesting. It was good to see, like, 
It's a, you know, it was it was one of the things of the documentary that was unfortunate that Jerry had passed away and we didn't get to hear from him other than the grabs from history. When did he um, pass away? I, I think it was 2015. So okay. he, he's been, yeah, he's okay. been, he hasn't been with us for a while, but okay. Yeah, he. It was. It was. That was the only thing. But it was good to see that. Um, I. I think that you know what the crazy thing is too, Schnaz, and I talked about it with Steve Kerr winning that last the season after Jordan uh, retires after this last dance after they all leave. It was a shortened season, so for a team that had gone to three straight NBA finals. It was a 50-game season, and that could have potentially been yeah, an advantage. of course. In four straight. Of course. they wouldn't have had to have played as many games. Of course. And they could, have, they could have navigated the season a lot easier, you know, resting players and, you know, being able to, you know, strive to win four straight. But it's a, it's a big what-if, and Jordan seems pretty adamant that he wanted to run it back. Uh, you saw it at the end there, and... It, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I am struggling even to find the words right now as to why. Yeah, I understand the whole. You have to move on at some point. You have to rebuild, but you know what? When you've got t- when you have that championship team and they're just yeah. winning every year, that's just ludicrous, yeah. man. Yeah, I think at some well, point no, the no. owner should have stepped in and gone, "Hey, buddy, hey, Jerry." Well, well, that's what like he he stepped in too late. The bridge yeah. had been burnt. Yeah. Bill, if he asked Phil to come back. He said no. Like, yeah. there's no way he can come back. And he should have stepped in. And I think that just shows Reinsdorf was pretty remorseful for that um, in terms of handling the situation by going up to Phil at the end after winning that championship and going, now we want you back. Because yeah. why, would you, why would you have made that decision at the start of the year? That's a That's a bit of a... You know, we're signing you to one year and you're not coming back after it. Why would you need to say that? You'd want to see how the season plays out. If they win, that's a second three-peat. Like, you're in you're in absolute basketball and sports royalty. Let's, let's not burn that bridge early on and let's see how we go. If they lose, we don't... If they lose and we, we go with the rebuild, we stay classy and we go, look, Phil, we're moving on. But they, there, there was some, something that obviously happened leading in. You had Scotty, you had all that stuff happening, and a bit, the bridge had been burnt. And how was the cathartic, like, burning of the notes at the end? Like, uh, Phil's, putting, uh, Phil, and uh, Phil Jackson, I really didn't know much about him, and I've learned a lot. And he's, he's a super smart guy and a great coach. And uh, I, I, just on, on the ownership, Brooksy, and what could have been, Imagine the money they were making from merchandise and from crowd figures and everything else. That's got to plummet within a year or two after those yeah. guys leave. I know the legacy will always be there. You'll always sell your Jordan jerseys. I get that. But the money they were making week in, week out, compared to what they would have you know, found decreasing the next year, even from a business sense, it makes no sense, yeah. let, let alone a, a, a playing point of view. I, I, I struggle yeah. with that. I struggle with it a lot. It's, it's, it came down to the egos, and that's what you see from the outside looking in, that this was a decision that was already made, and unfortunately, yeah, they, they had to pass up all that stuff, Schnaz. So, but yeah, it was... But in terms of a production standpoint, look, I 
I haven't seen anything like it in the sports in the sports realm. Uh, it's it's going to be hard to top. The music was great. That playlist is pretty much on loop um, when I'm running and walking and working out. Even at even at work, I've got it on in the background with some of that '90s hip hop, that Pearl Jam song at the end. Yeah, Chicago native Eddie Vedder. That was a great way to finish. Oh, I what think is- I think Brooksy. Uh, the music was wonderful. The production was wonderful. I think moving forward, it'll be a, a guide for everyone of where they want to be. They may not reach those levels, but I think you'll you'll see as of you know the next month or two, you'll see teams being mic'd up and recorded just for the hope that they can catch this lightning in a bottle in a team moving forward. I really do. Like People will document... Yeah, in, in music, for example, I always get back to music, but, you know, Springsteen, uh, Pearl Jam, a lot of acts, they record every show they do. They they they, 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 they either audibly or visually record it. Yeah. And I think that sports stars will keep – sports teams will do that from now on. I just – like, the camera – like, the cameras getting those shots in timeouts – just you know, there was that scene you saw Jordan sitting on the bench during that um, the flu game, and it was like him on the bench looking at the clock, looking at Scotty, looking at MJ, like it was just flowing around. Nothing was happening, but yeah. you were just so much. You had the crowd in the background. It just shows you, like, just if you keep the cameras rolling and you keep shooting stuff, like you, there's potentially some great stuff there, and I. Like, as a producer, just watching all this, like, thinking about NRL games that I'm doing, even just studio stuff with our talent. Like, just keep the cameras rolling. Just yeah. keep get – that, get that real life stuff. Like, even in warm-ups, like, I, I want to see, like, that communication, like Pierce and Ponga chatting to each other, Smith, you know, chatting to the young guys down at the Storm. Like, yeah. having that, that connection, like, having that – visual of like what's going on behind the scenes really tells you what's going on the field as well. Yeah. I mean, in this day and age, Brooksy, we, we know how much the rights are worth more or less for NRL. And we, we know how much people are glued to their TVs, to Netflix, to all sorts of applications. And the yep. reason they're doing that is a, okay, they're supporting a team. So I watch the sharks cause I love the sharks, right? If you take that away, yep take that away for a minute. I'm also watching for a story. And I talk about storytelling all the time because it's a very, very important part of my life, storytelling. And it's essentially, it's exactly what you're talking about. And I think we've reached a point in time, 2020, and it's been a long time coming, but we're all recognizing that this is what we want. Whether you realize it or not, you want stories to be told. You want to be entertained. You want to be moved. You want to be um, made feel happier. You you, you want to be uh, have a story told in front of your eyes. And it's exactly what these guys did. And they did it brilliantly. And will we see another one like this? We will. Will it reach the heights? I'm not sure. I believe that the story is such a rare story they, they, that you, you probably won't have the quality yeah. as far as the story goes. But, I mean, we see it every day, you and I, because you and I seek out these things. We seek out yeah. stories being told about athletes, about about entertainers, about about people in everyday life. It's what you and I, we love storytelling. 
I'm telling yeah. a long story right now, you know. But <laughs> but as as far as that production goes, just brilliant, man. And I cannot tell people enough. If you don't like basketball, it doesn't matter. Like you don't yeah. you don't need a history of, of liking it. You don't even need to like the game. This is about a franchise and about a city and about a very su- supreme athlete. So uh, it's been something that's been on the radar for a few years, and you see. You see um, the director talking about it and all the preparation and time that went into it. Three interviews with MJ, a couple of years. Um, they were cutting the last episode on thir- as late as Thursday. Really? Like, it has been a mammoth task. And I, as a sports fan, as an NBA fan, I'm just, like, so privileged that they made it and I got to watch it. Like, mm. And then potentially utilise some of those skills that they – had harnessed and put that into my role going forward. It's just, I, I was just blown away at, at how good it was and how well they've done. I'm uh, I'm genuinely worried about the come down for you, my friend. I'm not even like making light of that. I think that the come down for you, like what the hell are you going to do on Mondays now? What oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cook up a feast and then I'll watch, uh, you yeah, know, whatever. Like that, nah, well, you, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing is there's a lot of videos on YouTube. There's Instagram accounts. Yeah. There's a lot of different things that we can go back and be nostalgic with with regards to the NBA and sports in general. But, Shnaz, ESPN have a few things coming out over the next four weeks. So I don't think we'll be – the hangover won't be too bad. Mm-hmm. But – yeah, I've got the list here, and I think you're going to enjoy some of them. Okay. So the next two weeks is a two-part series in the Lance Armstrong. So Texas te- having cancer, his seven straight Tour de France's, and also the fall from grace. All I so want to do is have some fun. Oh, bit of Cheryl Crow. Yeah. Are you a Cheryl Crow fan? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, uh, yeah. I would say I I like her. Yeah, it's a great track. Yeah, uh, she had a few others, but um, she has, but yeah. yeah, Lance Armstrong. That's going to be a good one. Yeah. Then week three is going to be the B Water documentary on Cody Walker's <laughs> mate Bruce Lee. <laughs> I thought you were going to say there's a thirty for thirty on Cody Walker's flying kick. <laughs> right, Bruce Lee. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Yep. Lee, it's going to be a documentary into the life of Bruce Lee and Interesting, what yep. he did. Um, and week four, the final week of this this next four weeks of uh, docos, sports docos, is the long gone summer, nineteen ninety eight. Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, yep. home run race of races. Yep, it's great. Sammy's. Sammy's an interesting character too. I, I wonder if there'll be some um, new footage of Sammy because his appearance has changed quite some some bit <laughs> we'll have to find out Brooksy I mean 30 for 30 I've said it before I'll say it again I love their 30 for 30 on paint drying on a yeah. wall I loved it the way they yeah. slowed it down the paint and they had the music yeah. in the background they spoke to the paint they, they spoke, spoke to the, the other the teachers yeah, yeah, yeah. the roller the ro- the paint roller even gets a mention in yeah. that documentary. the sun right. shining on the paint what I'm saying is, uh, if you haven't seen a 30 for 30, you haven't lived. So 
Uh, I believe they're all available on KO. Yeah, the, it seems like it's po- uh, performance enhancement month at ESPN. <laughs> with the with Mark McGuire and Sammy and Lance, so it's an interesting one. Bruce Lee. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll all have to get our protein shakes out and start smashing them every Monday night. <laughs> but yeah, I, in back to ESPN and thirty for thirties, I caught an E sixty, which is the shorter version of the thirty for thirty. Surprisingly, yeah. Yep. Alex Smith, the former. Chiefs, Niners, and Red. Or he's come Washington, yeah, with the Washington team. Yeah, but his comeback after that horrific injury. So yeah, he what suffered an injury similar to what Bronco Gerald Yaoyi suffered in Perth. A, a horrific break. Yeah, and it was awful. His comeback, and it's an inspiring. It's inspiring. Watch Naz. It's on Ko as well. So if you guys didn't catch it, check it out. Uh, amazing, and like just even just the human side of things that players and families go through in injuries like that. It's just it, it was very inspiring to watch, and uh, just it's just great. There's so many of these at our disposal that we can watch. So yeah, so E60 is very much. Um, it's almost I, I hate to reference this, but it's almost like a 60 minutes version of of the yeah. sporting world. Uh, and yeah. they and it usually does involve some sort of tragedy or a hardship. They're usually yeah. quite quite moving. They're really well told. There's no controversy. There's no. Um, it's not shock jock like or anything. It's just yeah. it's just beautifully told. And that that you can watch that on ESPN through Foxtel as well as on Ko yeah. and various sites affiliated with those companies. Uh, I I love it. You know I love it. Um, I did, Brooksy, before we go, I wanted to give a shout out to a podcast I've been listening to. Well, which I'm a listener of. Yeah. You cool with that? Yeah, let's yeah, let's do it. Uh, my friend uh, TK, talking with TK, he's a, a Sydney fellow uh, who I became friends with uh, via the Sharks Club. I met him yep. through, through Gary Dover a number of years ago, a really great fellow, and he's been doing... Oh, at least one to two podcasts a week with all sorts of um, sporting people of all, lots of codes. Really good, really good podcast. Very chatty, and he just did one that dropped with Dean Treister from the Sharks from the John Lang era. And, yeah. and and Dean's a successful businessman now, living in Los Angeles of all places, and uh, yeah. or somewhere in California, I should say. But we were talking about ego before ego. Uh, involving the Chicago Bulls and the, the ownership. And Dean yep. Treister talks about uh, something that I'm obsessed with, which is the end of his career during the Chris Anderson short-lived era at the Sharks. Yeah, as you mentioned. And I, I will tell you this, without any spoilers, he does not hold back. Yeah. He tells you lots of things. He's, he's not unfair or, or crude in any way. He just he very much tells you what happens. And... If anyone's interested in hearing about how they think a super coach might act, you might want to get the reality from this guy. And uh, and I was a, a very much a fan at that point, but I was around a lot of those around a lot of those environments they were in as a fan, and I saw some things, and I heard I've obviously heard a lot of things since. Fascinating story. The point is, uh, talking with TK, subscribe to him. He's on all all the platforms. Uh, he does all sorts of t- players and teams and codes. This week, it's Dean Treaster from the Sharks. 
really good listen uh, about, you know, late 90s, early 2000s rugby league, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. So just sort of give TK a shout out. He's a good fellow. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's about me. Well, Shanaz, that's it. Woo! We got through it. Time for some K League. Oh, yeah. What's your login? I might borrow your, your login. Uh, it is bjcher at yahoo.com. <laughs> Oh, that yeah, that's going to be interesting. I can't wait. Everyone's going to be watching the K League next week to see who's going to be in the crowd. They better log that well, I tell you. <laughs> but yeah, no, nah, it's been good doing it with you, mate. Yeah, it's always good on Thanks, a Tuesday. Bruce, my pleasure. It's going to be the season will be back up and running next week. All the pre-game shows, yeah, um, as per normal. So we'll 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 work out a time when we can get together and yeah. yeah. Looking let's, do, let's do some live sport chat as well. So, Schnaz, been good? Been great. As per normal? You look forward to what have got planned for the rest of the week? Uh, what have we got planned? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to watch some more, uh, some more KO, some more Unpacked. Oh, well. Unpack K League, K League. Yep. Uh, yep. I got stuff to do. People don't want to know what I'm doing. Don't worry about me, uh, yep. Brooksy. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to upload this podcast. So that's my priority: upload podcast, then K League, and then yeah, maybe put some clothes back on. All right, I'll talk to you later, Brooksy. Watching any shows at the moment? Uh, yeah, I watched the new Mark Ruffalo show on the Foxtel. I believe it's called. Uh, what's it called? I know this much is true. Yeah, uh, it's uh, pretty heavy, pretty dark, pretty good, and essentially, uh, he plays the role of 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 twin brothers. So he play he plays two characters at once, and it doesn't look crazy at all. It's just um, it's it's super intense, and I thought I wasn't going to make it through the first episode just because I wasn't feeling like I wanted to be put through the ringer so much emotionally. But then there was a scene at the end where I was like, nah, I'm in. And and he won me over. It's a really good show. Uh, Is it like Paul Rudd's Living With Yourself? No. No, 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 no. No, it's, it's, uh, it's set in the, I want to say in the early 90s maybe, and his brother has a deep schizophrenia. Yeah. So his twin brother, and it's kind of about that at the moment, and his relationship with him, and it tells a bit of a backstory, which is pretty harrowing. When I say harrowing, it's just emotionally harrowing. It's not like graphically awful or anything. It's a really good show, uh, really intense, and at this at this stage, having seen the first two episodes, I'm definitely recommending it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I think you'll like it, Brooksy. Yeah. I will. Uh, I'll see you. See you later. Yeah. Yeah, Marcus. Bye for now, Schnaz. Mm-hmm.